These are sweet times in life as followers of Jesus in which we get to be reminded of what's true and right in this world. Is that God loves us so much that he gives us his one and only son. That whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. We celebrate Jesus who emptied himself of his divine rights and prerogatives and took on the form of a servant. The eternal son of God who humbled himself and became flesh and dwelt among us. He was born not in a bustling metropolis, but a small shepherd town of Bethlehem. He was born not in a clean, sterile maternity ward, but a dirty, stinky animal trough. He was born not to bring condemnation, but Jesus was born to give life. And that is what we see taking place in John chapter 11. Let me show you. Grab your Bible and turn with me to John chapter 11. Leading up to Christmas, we have been walking through that great hymn of the faith, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, through a sermon series called Glory to the Newborn King. This hymn, written in 1739, is just rich with glorious truth about Jesus and the gospel. We saw in the first week how he was born to bring peace. We saw in Romans chapter five, verse one, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, through Jesus, man and God, there is now peace through him. And because of our peace with God, relationally with him, it overflows into peace in our relationships here on earth. We then saw in Psalm 96 that he was born to make the nations glad. Jesus came so that all nations might rejoice in him. That we would shout for joy and worship the newborn king who came for every tribe and tongue and people and nation. We also saw last week that Jesus was born to be God with us. We looked back at John chapter one, that he is the word. The word was with God. The word was God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. It's amazing that we take time every year to sing these words together. Mild he lay his glory by. Born that man no more may die. Born to raise the sons of earth. Born to give them second birth. And this morning, we're going to see in John 11 how Jesus was born to give life. Leading up to John 11, we see in chapter 10 where Jesus alludes the murderous grasp of the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem. He then travels 30 plus miles to the east to the land beyond the Jordan. The same place where John the Baptist was baptizing and this is the place where people were believing upon Jesus. They were seeing his miracles. They were hearing his teaching. Well, while he's ministering there in the land beyond the Jordan, he receives a message from Mary and Martha that their brother Lazarus was sick. Now, Jesus was close friends with this sibling group. Mary and Martha and Lazarus, they were brother and sisters. And they lived just outside of Jerusalem in a town called Bethany. Jesus and his disciples, they spent a lot of time in their home, sitting at their kitchen table, eating meals with them, and Jesus teaching truths about the kingdom. 
Mary was the one who anointed Jesus' feet with perfume and wiped his feet with her hair. So when Jesus got word of Lazarus' sickness, he responds in John 11, verse 4, This sickness will not end in death, but is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. But instead of getting up and rushing to Lazarus' bedside, Jesus intentionally, verse 6, stays two more days where he was. Now, wouldn't you think that if his friend Lazarus was sick, he was on his deathbed, and he had a friendship with Jesus, and sends a message to Jesus to come and be with him and to heal him, that Jesus would have responded. But he didn't, because he was up to something bigger. Beloved, you may be continually bringing prayer requests and petitions to the Lord, and it appears like the answer is no. I say to you, would you persevere in prayer? Would you be patient in your requests to the Lord? Because possibly the answer is not yet. Because as we see, the Lord has his timing and is up to something bigger than Mary and Martha and Lazarus can see. For after two days, Jesus, verse 7, leads his disciples and says, Let's go back to Judea. But the disciples, they hesitate. They're not so sure about this. They remind them, Jesus, do you remember what happened last time we were there? Those Jewish leaders, they wanted to kill you. They wanted to stone you. You, you want us to go back to the place where they were trying to take you out. But Jesus responds, Lazarus has fallen asleep and I'm gonna go wake him up. But again, the disciples, they're still not understanding what Jesus is saying here. And so they say, hey, Jesus, if he's asleep, he's going to get well. He's going to wake back up. So finally, Jesus says, verse 14, Lazarus has died. And I'm glad for you that I was not there so that you may believe. But let's go to him. Then Thomas responds like a true disciple. Let's go too, so that we may die with him. It's like, well, boys, it's been a good run. It's been a lot of fun. Jesus wants to go back to the place where they wanted to kill him. Let's go and time for us to take it too. This is the posture. And so with all of this taking place, notice where the story picks up in verse 17. It says, when Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had, had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, less than two miles away. Many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them about their brother. As soon as Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him. But Mary remained seated in the house. Then Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Yet even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Your brother will rise again, Jesus told her. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me, even if he dies, will live. Everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she told him. I believe you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who comes into the world. Jesus was born to give life through the gospel. 
Notice these three truths in John chapter 11. The first is this, the resurrection is a promise. The resurrection is a promise. You can hear the angst in Martha's voice in verse 21. Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. You see, Martha knew the power of Jesus. She had seen his miracles. She had seen him heal the sick. She had heard his powerful teachings at her table. And so as Jesus comes to this point where he's like, listen, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. If you had just left a little faster, if you had just come a little sooner, my brother wouldn't be dead. But she's not mad at Jesus because we see how she follows up her statement of grief with a word of confidence in Jesus. Verse 22, yet even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Martha is declaring with conviction that Jesus has access to God and God will answer his prayer and trust that somehow God is going to take this tragedy and turn it around for good. But then Jesus tells her, look at verse 23, your brother will rise again. Oh, these are good words, beloved. Maybe this year you've had someone who was a family member or a friend who was a believer who died. That is a word of comfort right there. Your brother will rise again. Your husband will rise again. Your wife will rise again. Your child will rise again. Your best friend will rise again. Your grandparent will rise again. This is a promise that Jesus is giving to Martha, but also to all who believe in the gospel, that though this person whom you love has taken their last breath, they will rise again. Which means, beloved, when our believing friends and family take their last breath, we respond the way Paul calls us to in 1 Thessalonians 4.13. We don't mourn like those without hope. Now, yes, we grieve. Yes, we mourn. But we do so with confidence that, we, that they are with Jesus. And we will one day see them again because the gospel is true. You see, our hope is not based upon a dead religion, but a living Savior. Our hope is not based upon this temporary life, but the promise of eternal life. Our hope is not in this world, but in the king of this world. Our hope is in the one who died and rose again. We have a living hope because outside of Jerusalem, the tomb is empty. You see, Jesus is pointing Martha to the promise that a resurrection is coming for her brother. And beloved, Jesus promises that there is coming a resurrection for all who believe upon him. You see, here in the text, Martha thinks she understands what Jesus is saying because she responds, verse 24, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Martha states her confidence that God would keep his promise. Indeed, Lazarus would rise on the last day. She just didn't realize that Jesus meant that day. For Jesus is gonna go to Lazarus' tomb and shout 
Verse 43, Lazarus, come out, and out walks Lazarus. Y'all, when Jesus speaks, dead things come to life. When Jairus' daughter had died in Mark chapter five, Jesus took her by the hand and said, little girl, I say to you, arise. And up she came back to life. When the widow's son had died in Luke seven, Jesus interrupted the funeral procession. He touched the coffin and said, young man, I tell you, arise. And up comes that man. And here in John 11, Jesus goes to Lazarus' tomb after four days he's been buried. And Jesus says, Lazarus, come out. And out comes Lazarus. When Jesus speaks, dead things come to life. And there's coming a day when the eastern skies are going to part. Jesus is going to return for his bride. And by his word... Jesus is going to speak and we are going to hear him cry out, arise, and up from the grave, we will arise. This is why Christmas is so significant. Grab hold of this newborn king. He has everything to do with your life, with your death and your eternity. Last night, I sat on the bed next to a man in our church as his wife took her last breaths hours earlier. And as we mourned together, I put my arm around him and I reminded him, death does not have the final word. Because the tomb is empty, there is a promise in the gospel that we will one day arise. This is good news for all who believe upon Jesus that he was indeed born to raise the sons of earth and he is going to do so on the last day. And that is a promise from Jesus. Secondly, I want you to notice in the text that the resurrection is a person. The resurrection is a person. Look at verse 25. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me, even if he dies, will live. Now there are seven I am statements that Jesus makes throughout the Gospel of John. He declares, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door. I am the good shepherd. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the true vine. And here in verse 25, I am the resurrection and the life. You see, that phrase, I am, was nothing less than a claim of full deity. This was the sacred name of God that Jesus is applying to himself. You see, at the burning bush in Exodus 3, Moses asked God for his name. When I go to your people Israel and tell them who has sent me, what do I tell them is your name? God responds, my name is I am that I am. Yahweh, Jehovah. I am the eternally self-existent one. I am the one who is dependent upon no one and I have always existed from eternity past into eternity future. Well, here is 
Jesus. Applying those two words, I am the personal name of God to himself. You see, this baby born in Bethlehem is God come in the flesh who is the resurrection and the life. Now, preacher, this sermon sounds a whole lot more like an Easter sermon than a Christmas sermon. Y'all, Christmas is meaningless apart from the cross and the empty tomb. If Jesus had merely been born but did not live a sinless life, if he did not die on the cross, if he did not rise again on the third day, then our faith is meaningless. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is in vain. But Jesus was born so that man no more may die. You see, the death that Jesus is talking about in verse 25 is a physical death. Look at the text. Jesus says, the one who believes in me, even if he dies, will live. Y'all, unless Jesus returns, you are going to physically die. There is going to come a time in your life when you will take your last breath. Your heart is going to stop beating. Your brain is going to stop firing. Your blood is going to stop pumping. There's coming a day, unless Jesus returns, in which you're going to lose all of your strength. You're going to be placed in a tomb. And there you will lie, forgotten by the world. In 2010... Christy and I were headed to Ethiopia to pick up our sons. And on our way, we decided to stop in Rome for a few days. And while we were there, we went to a church called um, Belle Concezione de Cappuccini. And as we were there, we went to the basement where we saw this. A crypt. A gathering of more than 4,000 bodies from 500 years ago. Men who were fleeing persecution for religious liberty came to Rome. Here they stayed and here they died. Their bones were collected and then put into different mosaics, different art forms. You would walk eerily from room to room and see each of these different bone structures of vertebrae and femurs and skulls concocted in such a way as to create art. But then you get to the end of the tour, and there is a sign on the wall that says this in five different languages. What you are now, we used to be. What we are now, you will be. These are people who had life just like us. They used to laugh and cry and tell stories. Probably had a first kiss. Knew what it was like to eat a good meal or to have a good night's rest. But the time came in which they took their last breath. Y'all don't look now. But if Jesus doesn't return in the next 500 years, that's you. And that's me. A pile of bones. 
So much of our culture tries to forget about death to suppress the thought of it. But it's reality. And it's coming. But Jesus has a better word. Look at what he says in verse 25. The one who believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. Oh, this is good news. You see, there's coming a day when 1 Thessalonians 4, the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the archangel's voice and with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise. Then those who are still alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. There's coming a day, 1 Corinthians 15, we will all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible and we will be changed. For this corruptible body must be clothed with incorruptibility and this mortal body must be clothed with immortality. Think of graveyards on the last day. Dead bones shooting up out of the grave, going to meet the Lord in the air. We will receive a glorified body, a new body that will not rot, decay, or ever die. This is the promise that we have in Christ, that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Though right now, outwardly, we are wasting away. Inwardly, we're being renewed day by day. Physically, you and I, our bodies are falling apart. Since I've become your pastor, I've lost a lot of hair. <laughs> but you see, there's coming a day in which on the last day, the one who is the resurrection and the life is going to give you a new body. It's a promise because it's based upon Jesus and who he is and what he says is coming, that he is the resurrection and the life, that though you may die, yet shall you live. On the last day, all who have died in Christ, we will have bodies that will be raised and we will stand faultless before the throne. Jesus promised us this. In John 6, 40, Jesus says, for this is the will of my Father, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him will have eternal life and I will raise him up on the last day. Though our bodies are wasting away, there's coming a day in which these bones will live. We will be with the Lord. And all of this will take place not because Jesus raised other people from the dead, but because he was raised from the dead. For on the third day, Jesus came back to life. The one who is the resurrection and the life is the one who came back to life himself on the third day, never to die again. You see, Lazarus would die again. Jairus' daughter would die again. The young man of the widow 
would die again, but Jesus died and rose again, never to die again. Paul says in Romans 6, verse 9, we know that Christ, having been raised from the dead, will not die again. Death no longer rules over him. You see, this is what makes the gospel good news. Sinners like you and me, we can be forgiven through the blood of Christ. Through faith in Jesus, we can be washed and made new. That we can be adopted into his family. We have an inheritance that is ours forever. We have a home in heaven that has been secured by Christ. So at the moment you take your last breath, you are with the Lord. But above all of this, though death may touch you, it cannot hold you down. The good news of the gospel is that because of the death and resurrection of Jesus, who is the resurrection and the life, death cannot defeat you. You see, we are trusting in the one who died and rose again. And through him, death has been swallowed up in victory. See, if you're looking for a resurrection from the dead, look by faith to Jesus, who declares, I am the resurrection and the life, and then he proves it on the third day. So today, believe upon Jesus. Trust in him. Jesus is alive, and so too will all who believe upon him. And we just sing this. He was born so that man no more may die third truth we see in the text. Not only is the resurrection a promise and the resurrection is a person, but thirdly, the resurrection is permanent. It's permanent. Verse 26, Jesus says, everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Now, wait a minute. Jesus just said in verse 25 that even if we die, we live. But here in verse 26, Jesus says, whoever believes in him will never die. What's, what's going on here? Well, in verse 25, Jesus is addressing physical death. And in verse 26, Jesus is addressing spiritual death. You see, those who believe in him will never spiritually die in hell. This is the good news of the gospel, is that you trust in Jesus and hell is off the table. There's no longer a separation. In fact, that's what death means. When someone physically dies, their soul is separated from their body. Well, spiritually, when someone dies, spiritually, they are separated from a relationship with God forever. And here Jesus is driving home, verse 26, that you will never spiritually die if you believe upon him. So now not only is your physical death going to be taken care of on the last day by Jesus, but also spiritual death is off the table. You see, death died at the death of Christ. And oh, is this good news for us. You see, this baby laid in a manger is no ordinary child. He is God come in the flesh. He is the resurrection and the life. And though you may physically die, yet shall you live on the last day. But also verse 26, everyone who believes upon him will never 
die. This is good news. Though there's coming a day when you will take your last breath, you go on to heaven to be with the Lord. You will be more alive than you are right now because eternal death and hell is no longer an option because of your faith in Jesus Christ. Though physically you may die, your body will resurrect, verse 25, but spiritually you will never spiritually die ever because Jesus has made you alive in him. What Paul declares in Romans chapter 8, 1, therefore, thought I had it. Had that, if you know it, yell it out so I can get it started. There, thank you. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. That's two weeks in a row, y'all. There, I'm getting tired. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Boy, is that good news. If there's any verse in the Bible to make you want to stand up and dance, like, let's go. Is Romans 8, 1. There's no more death, no more condemnation, no more hell. Do you see how precious that baby is? Do you see this Christmas, how important Jesus is? Because it's not just about gathering together and singing with gusto like everything's going to be okay. It's because Jesus took the worst possible thing and says, now in him, everything's going to be all right for those who trust in him. This is good news. And as someone who, it's amazing to me how death is, it's sobering. And as so many in our culture, we try to hide death in ICUs. We try to hide cemeteries where we can't see them. It's a gift to be reminded how brief this life is and how important Jesus is. It's like Jesus is everything. And you need him. You need this baby born in a manger who grew up and became a man and he went and died on a cross for your sins and he was buried but he doesn't stay dead but he comes back to life he is alive forever now and forevermore and guess who he makes himself available to look at verse 26 Everyone. Ah, what a good word. Greek word is pas, P-A-S. It means all. It means everyone. The King James, whosoever. The word means that it's open to anybody and everybody. Anybody can get in on this. Paul uses the same word in Romans 10, 13. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. No matter your background or your skin color, your political affiliation, your past or your income, everyone can get in on the promise that Jesus makes here that everyone who believes upon him, verse 26, they will never die. So how do I do that? How do I do it? If you want victory over death, you must look by faith to the one who defeated it. Look to Jesus. Believe upon him. In fact, that's the impact point for this morning. In Christ, by faith, bank your soul upon Jesus and what he did for you through his death and through his resurrection.
Put your faith in him. Trust in him. Surrender your life completely to him. Question is, do you believe this? Do you believe this? Not my words, Jesus' words. Look at the end of verse 26. Jesus says to Martha, do you believe this? Question, do you believe this? I implore you, I beg you, respond like Martha in verse 27. Yes, Lord, I believe you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who comes into the world. This morning, believe upon Jesus. Say to him, yes, Lord, I believe. You're the Son of God. You're the Messiah. You're the one who is coming to the world. You were born to give life. And when you surrender your life to Jesus and you bank your soul upon him, indeed this Christmas, you'll be able to declare glory to the newborn King. Thank you.